Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church in Somerset, Kentucky. Please make sure to visit us online at phbcsomerset.com. Adam and Eve, their sin separates Adam from Eve. In that moment, Adam says, the woman you gave me, (laughs) she gave me this apple. I didn't say apple, but she gave it and I ate it. And you see a divide. And that was the first, I can't believe you said that. I can't believe you threw me on the rug. But sin divided, separated Adam from Eve. And then as we read on, it separates God from Adam and Eve. Because as, they're, as, they're, as God is walking in the garden, He calls to them, where are you? And they're hiding from Him. You understand? that They're hiding from God. The same God that, that they walked hand in hand in the coolness of day. That was his plan, by the way. It even separates us from ourself, our true self. Because God has a plan for our life of peace and happiness. And when we choose sin, that messes with his plan. And and even in Adam and Eve's situation, he comes to them and says, Because of your sin, you will work by the sweat of your brow, and there will be thorns and thistles, and you have frustration. As we read the Apostle Paul, right? I love, remember, um, I, I'm, I'm a, I struggle to read. If you didn't know this, I've, I'm dyslexic. Most of what I read, I, I pre-read and memorize. But uh, I remember the first time a pastor called me on me to read, and I, I, was, I was flipping through my Bible, and I ran across a passage that I underlined. I thought that'd be good. And it, it's the do verses. Paul, where he says, I do what I don't want to do. I don't want to do what I want to do. Do, 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 do. And it's like, are you kidding me? I was like, I remember I was like, I was running through a muddy field. I couldn't get done with that passage quick enough. I was in front of them going, why did I pick this verse? The apostle Paul even even says, it's inner turmoil. I know what I need to do and I don't want to do it. And there's frustration, but it separates us. It separates us from God. Matter of fact, it was not God's plan for us to die. I had the privilege to, to, to preach a funeral this week. And I watched loved ones cry over their loss and their hurt and their anguish. That is not God's plan. His plan was not for us to die. As a matter of fact, when they chose, they chose sin, he, he, he had to banish them from the Garden of Eden so they could not eat from the tree of life. They need to, didn't need to live forever in sin. Death was not his plan. It separates. That's what sin does. It separates us. Now, how do we deal with sin? How do we, how do we receive forgiveness? Now, I, I um, my first church, I pastor, Brother Corey, you appreciate this. My first church, I, uh, uh, excuse me, youth minister. Y'all, this is scary. Uh, do we have, we, uh, Will's gone because he's helping Miss Stephanie. I was, I was younger than my son. Is that not scary? That some church said, here's the keys to the church van. We trust you with our kids. I was 18 years old. Freshman year in college, I flipped through that book and found a church. I thought, this looks cool. And I talked to them, and, and, and they called me, and I was their youth minister for four and a half years. Loved it. Precious time. And God grew me. And I remember I called the pastor up a few years later. I said, I am so sorry if I was a bonehead. I like, he, 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 no, you were, I said, no, I, because I become a pastor and I had a few bonehead youth pastors come through. I was like, oh, goodness, I bet I wore him out. But he said, no, you're actually pretty good. And I said, well, I, I look back and I'm sure I've made mistakes. And 
I just wanted to say, I'm sorry. And, and uh, we laughed about that for a little bit. But in that first church, I was youth minister. And I was teaching lessons, and I've been teaching lessons for almost a year. And we had a, a revival. Y'all remember what revivals were like? This revival, we had a morning service and an evening service. And some of y'all remember two weeks, maybe longer. <clears throat> this was a, a, a seven-day revival, morning and evening. And uh, I was living that summer with the pastor and his wife and their son in the parsonage, huge parsonage. Had like eight bedrooms, and I'm sure what that was about. But uh, so they had, they had a room for me, and when this preacher came in, they just put him up in the, in the parsonage, and, and he had one room over. And every evening, we would sit around this big table, and Miss Melvin, yes, that's her name, Melvin, she was supposed to be a boy. Anyway, <clears throat> they, they renamed her at the last minute. Miss Melvin cooked this, this huge meal every night. And I remember that first night, we were just chit-chatting, talking, and he looks across at the young youth minister, and he says, Brother Danny, that's a guess. He said, how were the people in the Old Testament saved? Can y'all answer that question? Have you ever thought about that question? I assure you, I had not thought about that question. Or maybe I thought about it a little bit. I, and I blew the dust off of my Sunday school memory of all my, my teachers and preachers, and I went, uh, uh, they, 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 they sacrificed um, bulls and, and sheep, and, and they went to the priest. That's right, yeah. And he went, eh. <laughs> wrong answer. And then he did something really smart, Brother Corey. He said, we'll talk tomorrow night. See if you get it right tomorrow night. And he didn't give me the answer. I dug in my Bible. I'm reading, I'm reading, I'm reading, I'm reading, I'm reading. I get to Hebrews 10. <clears throat> the law is only a shadow of the good things that are to come, not of the reality of them. For this reason, it can never, uh, by the same sacrifice, repeat endless years after year, making perfect those who draw near to worship. Otherwise, they would not have stopped being offered. For the worshipers would, uh, would have been cleansed once for all and would no longer have felt guilty for their sins. But those sacrifices are annual, listen, reminder of sin. It is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did, uh, you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. With burnt offering and sin offerings, you were not pleased. That God sent the perfect sacrifice. But when his priest had offered once for all time, one sacrifice for sin. He sat down at the right hand of God. And since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstools. For by one sacrifice, that's Jesus, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. The answer is, the same Jesus that saves me, a New Testament believer, is the same Jesus who saved Moses. The thing was, they didn't have his name that they offer sacrifices as a reminder that somebody's got to pay. When someone messes up, when you create a sin, you create separation between me and God, somebody's got to pay. 
How many of you have read through the Bible? Let me show of hands. Got a few hands. A few read the Bible. So I've read through the Bible several times. I'm 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 re, I'm I'm lapping. I'm coming back around. Y'all know what book I'm in? The hardest one to read through, in my in my opinion. Have y'all read Leviticus? They should have put that at the end. Because this slows you. If you're going to read through the Bible, you get just, oh, I've heard this before. Oh, Exodus, this is good stuff. And then, whoo, Leviticus. It's Levitical law. It's how you, how you sacrifice this animal for this and how you ask forgiveness. It's, just, it's a huge law. You think the Ten Commandments, this has got nothing on Leviticus. But I read time and time again about how they would sacrifice bulls and lambs and whatnot to God. And, the, the, and I was like, well, I've heard, I've read, I feel like I've read this like three times. I keep reading the same thing. And all of a sudden, I see this thing kind of coming, resurfacing, resurfacing, resurfacing. Because it says, bring the bull to, to you. And then it says, put your hand on its head. Put your hand on its head. As if to pass on your sin. And then you kill it. And you pour out its blood and it gets gory from there. And then I'm thinking, well, God, you said that the blood of bulls didn't do anything. And then I flashed back, putting a hand on, on a cow's head. I, growing up, we had farms all around. I've hauled a lot of hay, and I've, I've, I've worked with cattle. I've worked with, with horses. I remember in this guy's farm, and um, we're out there with horses and the cows, and we're giving the cows shots, and I'm petting on this really pretty cow. So, so sweet. And I said, what's her name? He said, oh, no, we don't name cows. Why? Because they're raised for market. We, we name the horses. We don't name the cows because they're going away. They're going up on the table, yours or somebody else's. We don't name. He said, we don't even look. He said, you just kind of look at past them. He said, you don't. But he said, we don't pet them. We don't give them names. That's why you call them punching cattle, moving them on. That's what you do. You don't get attached. And here he says, put your hand on his head. Matter of fact, pick the firstborn. The one without blemish, you have to look it all over. Get attached. And then when it hurts, remember your sin did that. Your sin separated you from God and somebody had to pay and it hurts. So it's not just saying I'm sorry. It should move you to repentance. 2 Corinthians 7, 8-11 says, Even if I call, even, and this is Paul talking to the church of Corinth, and he's, he's giving them kind of a, 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 kind of a tough letter to read, and he gets to verse, uh, chapter 7, he says, Even if I cause you sorrow, by my letter, I don't regret it. Though I regret it, I see that my letter hurt you, but only for a little while. Yet now I'm happy, not because you were made sorry, but because your sorrow, listen, led to repentance. For you became sorrowful as God intended, so you were not harmed in any way. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regrets. But worldly sorrow brings death. See what this godly sorrow has produced in you. 
What earnest and eagerness to clear yourselves. What indignation, what alarm, what longing, what concern, what readiness to see justice done. At every point, you have, you have proved yourself to be innocent in this matter. We claim... I want to ask you, have we become, and I'm sorry people, has our sorrow moved us to repentance? Because if it hasn't, it's empty. It's, it's the same as the man looking over his wife and said, sorry if I've hurt you this week. Has it moved you to repentance? When was the last time that we had an altar full or even half full of people moved, sorrowful about their sin, moved for a lost person who had been separated from sin, who is on the road to hell? I shared this morning. I, I, whew, I, I, I've had a lot of privileges as a pastor. One of, one of the most wow moments, uh, I, I had a very sweet couple um, that I pastored and, and blessed it. She had Lou Gehrig's disease and he had congestive heart, heart failure and they just lingered. Man, it was like an ongoing thing. I was at their house all the time, two or three times a month at least. And we would go, I would go to encourage them. They always encouraged me more than I encouraged them. <clears throat> and yet I remember at the very end, I was almost worried because I, I knew that God had called me to another, I've been there for, for seven years and God had called me to another church and I was worried about leaving them Y'all, I, I, I buried them both the last two or three months I was there. And I remember her decline and gather around her bed, this little, little lady, less, I mean, she probably weighed 85 pounds soaking wet, just had lost a lot of weight, but she was so sweet. And her husband's in the room, and, and he's there, and he's, he, he's there as we all, the whole family's crammed in this one room, and in his last moments of sadness, and I still remember this, it just blew my mind that when she, when she left this world, he kissed her on the forehead, and he looked up at the family. And I, I'll just tell you, it was a semi-rough crowd. And he said these words, something a preacher could never say. He said, y'all line up. Say bye to your mama. Those of you who don't know Jesus, this is by. This is the last time you're going to see her. He said, I know the Jesus she knows. This isn't goodbye. I'll see her soon. Now, he didn't realize it'd be less than two months. I'll see her soon. This isn't goodbye for me. But if you don't know Jesus, just come on up and say your byes. And I was like, whoo. I'm like the preacher on the wall going, awkward. Like, I'm like, and the preacher's over there if you want to talk to him. Oh, great. Draw me into this. You know, okay. Preach it, brother. It separates. It's, it's the great separator. But have we wept over our sin? I'm going to close with this. Many times we try to whitewash our sins. We say we messed up. We, we chose wrong. We made a mistake. We used those kind of things. The truth is we choose. Every time that we sin, every time that we mess up, every time we sin, we 
we look at God just like I would look at my son or my wife and say, hey, uh, if I, I used to joke with the youth, I'd say this. If I said, hey, Brother Corey, I'm, I'm going to slap you. And I walked down here and said, but um, I just need to let you know I'm going to slap you, but I'm sorry. Someone said, I don't see that. So it's going to do it. Some, we look at God and say, you know what? You know what? He'll forgive me. He'll get over it. I'll ask for that wrecking ball to come in my life and knock it all down. It'll all start over. That's grace. You just cheapen his grace. Just like I would have cheapened my friendship with Corey. Saying, oh, he'll get over it. He'll get past it. We look at the one who died on the cross for our sins. And he hates sin. Not because he's sitting up there going, how can I mess up Herman's life this week? Oh, I know. I'll say don't do this and don't do that. No. He sees sins for what it is, which is the creator of, of separation and of death. This separates you from your loved ones. It separates you from even you. It definitely separates you from him, even fellowship with him. He sees it, the ugliness that it is. He says, I don't want that for my children. There are those here this morning that you don't know Jesus. And he loves you so much. Don't take his, his grace for granted. You are not promised tomorrow. One of the, the saddest, scariest things I thought of, Brother Corey, is when I started preaching and teaching, is that my words would echo in someone's voice forever and ever and ever. Because when you read the testimony of, of Jesus, when he talks about the rich man of Lazarus, right? And there, there, there's great chasm and he, but he says to, 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 the, to the rich man several times, he says, remember the days. Remember that. He says, remember like three or four times. Remember, remember, remember. And I think hell is not just a place of eternal burning and, 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 and frustration and sadness and darkness and, and horrible place. It is. I think it's a place of remembering. Every chance that you had, every time you heard the gospel preached, preached, that's right. Every time you heard that, I think you're going to remember that chance that you said, no, not today, God. I think the number one pushback that we have to come and know Christ is, I'll do it later. That's Satan's number one lie. You are not promised tomorrow. Nobody is. I'm not trying to scare you into anything. If anything, I want to scare you into... I want you to learn the love of a God who loves you so much. He suffered and died. He wrote out plainly what sin is doing in your life, and He gave you a way out. He gave you grace. He gives you forgiveness. But you've got to receive that free gift. You've got to come to Him and say, God, I'm not just sorry. My, my sorrow has turned me into repentance. And I'll come to you and say, God, I may never get it together, but I'm going to try every day. Not to earn my way, but I have gratitude for you. I want to receive your perfect grace and your gift. And I want to make you Lord of my life. I want to give you complete control of my life because you know me better than anything. And I'm going to trust you. Please forgive me of my sins. Please forgive me. And help me walk with you. I want to follow you every day. In a love relationship. And then, maybe today, Brother Dan, I did that. But the reality is, I've been stacking them up and knocking them down, stacking them up and knocking them down, 
then I haven't stopped for a moment. I want to encourage you today to call sin, sin. To get real. If you have a bad marriage, go to your wife and say, Honey, I realize I haven't been a good husband. What can I do better? And then you pick her up off the ground. You put her in a chair. And when she comes to, she might tell you. And you do it. Imagine that. And if we came to God today and said, God, I accepted you and I accepted your gift. And I said I do. And I'm the bride of Christ. But the reality is, I've been stacking up sin. And I've just, I've hurt our fellowship. God, what can I do? It separated me from you. It separated me from my family. It separated me from me and I'm sick of it. I want to deal with my sin today. He will smile. He said, let's get started. I'm not just trying to make you perfect. It's not a morality thing. I just want you to stop separating yourself from me and from everyone else. I want you to find your joy again. Take one small step in a very good direction. He loves you no matter what. He can't love you more. He can't love you less. His love is not in question today. How serious we take sin is. He died for that sin. It's worth dealing with. It's worth trusting Him with your eternal salvation. You have the opportunity today. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for one more chance to hear your truth. That sin, for the wages of sin, is death. Death of relationship, death of connection. Father, sin separates us from so much. Father, help us deal with our sin today. Father, for those here today that have never taken the first step in knowing you as their Lord, Father, may they wake up and go, oh my goodness, I am a sinner and I am on the road to hell. I need a Savior. Father, help me trust you today. Help me make you Lord of my life. Give you complete control. Help me repent of my sins. Be sorrowful, but let that move not just from sorry, but into a desire to honor you as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. Father, I thank you for a chance to come to you today. Father, if there are those here today that know you, but the reality is we've just been kind of treading water and we've been playing church. Father, help us be heartbroken over our sin. Help us come to you and, and ask you, what can I start with today, Father? And start taking small steps in a good direction. Not to earn anything, but for new, but for new our fellowship, to find our joy, to seek your peace. Father, I thank you for this time. Your most holy and precious name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church. To learn more about the church, find out meeting times, or learn how to contact the pastor please visit phbcsummerset.com.